Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Lightning fans, you found the right show for everything you need to know about your favorite team in the NHL. It's the Lightning Insider Podcast with Eric Erlinson. Get ready for insight, historical perspective, interviews, and breaking news that comes from a reporter insider who's got near 20 years on the Tampa Bay Lightning beat. Now for the latest with the Lightning, here's Eric. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the LightningInsider.com podcast. I am Eric Erlinson. From LightningInsider.com, coming to you after Game 2 of Round 2 for the Tampa Bay Lightning. They pull off another road victory, a 2-1, to identical score, 2-1 to victory against the Carolina Hurricanes and will now come home to Amelie Arena for Thursday's Game number 3 with a 2-0 series lead. So how did we get there? How did this Lightning team once again, just as they did in the opening round against the Florida Panthers, walk away with two road victories to open a season? It's very interesting to me because these two series in the first two games have taken on very different identities in terms of how they've won them. Again, it's two games in. I'm just comparing games one and two in Sunrise, games one and two at PNC Arena in Carolina. Of course, that first game against Florida in the round in the first round was just helter skelter hockey. M- mentioned by many how entertaining it was, how wild and crazy, back and forth, physical goals, special teams, everything that went on in that game and how entertaining it was. And then the Lightning course won game number two by a 3-1 to one score, which was really a 2-1 to one score to take a 2-0 series lead out of Sunrise back home and compare that to the two victories Tampa Bay has picked up in Raleigh and how different they've been. I mean, we even heard... I mean, even Alex Kalorn said after the game, it's probably not the most exciting hockey. Some might even call it boring. I guess Keith Jones in the postgame show called it boring. And in some ways, I guess it is boring. But you've got two teams here. And again, this is why it's so much different from the series that we saw Tampa Bay face against the Panthers. There is no room whatsoever out on the ice I mean, there's nothing out there. Very little space. Yeah, we've seen a couple of odd man opportunities by both teams. We saw Nikita Kucherov get a breakaway in the second period that was stopped by Alex Ndalkovich. But for the most part, not a whole lot of space. Nowhere to room, no room to move. It's a lot of dump and try and retrieve which is not working out very well either. Neither team can really establish a strong forecheck here 
through 120 minutes of hockey, it's been it it's been up and down, back and forth, but not not in the manner in which you would normally associate that with. Because you normally think that's end to end hockey. It's not end to end hockey. It's back and forth hockey. It's not quite like ping pong hockey. You know, you think of ping pong, just that kind of repetitive back and forth. It's not quite like that. But for the most part, neither team is letting the other generate and utilize their speed through the neutral zone to create chances off the rush. It's just not happening. It's just not there. Which, again, is a much, much different feel than round one. But as I said uh, earlier in the playoffs, it doesn't matter how you win. It matters how many you win. And it's a race to four. And the Lightning are only halfway there in round two. Anything can happen. These games have been razor thin in how close they've been. The difference to me is you've got a Vezina finalist at one end and Andre Vasilevsky, and he was named a finalist once again on Tuesday, his fourth consecutive year. He's been a starter, a regular starter, four years in this league, and he's been named a Vezina finalist four consecutive years. One at once. He's up against Marc-Andre Fleury from Vegas and Philip Grubauer from Colorado this year. We'll see how he... Affairs. Those winners will be announced, I believe, sometime late this month or early next month. I forget the date, but I think it's going to be during the Stanley Cup final or sometime around there. But you've got a Vezina finalist at one end and a rookie at the other. And it's not that Alex Nedeljkovic has played poorly yet. The game-winning goal in Game 1 was a mistake by him, and I talked about that in the Game 1 recap about how he tried to seal his post, missed his mark, and it threw his balance off, and that allowed the puck from Barkley Goodrow to enter the net. Ends up being a game-winning goal. But again, he wasn't bad in Game 2. The the stop he made on Kucherov on the breakaway, I mean, it's already a one nothing game. He lets that in there. Who knows where the game can go? And the second goal that he allowed by Anthony Sorelli, it's a backhand shot. It's Those are tough shots in those situations. You just kind of give your nod to Anthony Sorelli in that situation. But Andre Vasilevsky hasn't blinked, just as we would expect. Right? Like, he he's so calm and steady and understanding, and he reads the game so well. And that comes from experience from an elite goaltender. You know, he hasn't always been this steady and calm. He's worked his way to get there. You know, you think back to the 2018 conference finals against Washington. How many long-range shots did he get beat on? The situation with Columbus in 2019 where he wasn't what he needed to be. Right, so this he hasn't always been this type of a goaltender. You always saw that potential. But it's one of the greatest things elite goalies are able to do, and that's just focus focus on the next shot, focus on the next shot, focus on the next shot. Whether a goal got past them or not, it's always about how do I stop the next one. And it's easier said than done. 
and we are witnessing Andre Vasilevsky in the midst of that right now. That's where he's at. And to me, that's been the biggest difference here. Now, one thing I want to bring up, because a lot of people are going to talk about this, I've seen a lot of people already bring it up, is the shot totals. Because if you look at the score sheet, the stat sheet, you're going to see 32 shots for Carolina in Game 2, 15 for Tampa Bay. And that's more than a 2-1 to margin in favor of the Hurricanes. And the first reaction to that is, oh my, how can they be outshot 2-1? to If you listen to my series preview with Greg Linelli, one of the things I said to look for in this series is don't be surprised if the shot totals, there's a disparity in the number of shots for Carolina and Tampa Bay. Because Carolina will throw pucks on net from everywhere. They're a high shot volume team. They have been for a number of years now. They've got more skill than they used to, so they can take advantage of the that shot possession that they have. But for the most part, like just go look at a heat map. Go to Natural Stat Trick and look at the heat map. And you'll see there's not a whole lot of shots, shot attempts generated by Carolina in the home plate area, if you want to call it. Yeah, they got some shots down low, especially late. You know, you think of the chance that Eric Stahl had with 8.4 seconds left on the clock. You know, they had a couple of those shots, especially late in the game. You know, the the goal by Sveshnikov comes from down in that area when, during a 6-on-5. But you look at the heat map. They're, all these shots are coming from the outside. And that's exactly what Tampa Bay is fine with. And, you know, I remember John Cooper talking about this even early in the year when these two teams faced off. That if they want to take the shots from the outside, we're going to give it to them. And when you get to a playoffs, this is how it works. You design a specific game plan against a specific opponent. Yeah, we saw this maybe a little bit more because of this crazy season where you faced each other, teams faced each other eight times. You had a situation earlier this year where Tampa Bay and Carolina faced each other four consecutive games. So there was a little bit of that during the regular season, but normally you don't do that. Well, once you get into a series like this, or any series, you you specifically put forth a game plan for one specific opponent. And this is what Tampa Bay has done in the first two games of this series. Yeah, again, Carolina had 39 shots in game one, 32 shots in game two. And they did push, especially in the first 10 minutes or so of game one. But they haven't had any of those surge moments that Carolina has kind of become known for. Let's go back and watch a couple of the games in the series against Nashville. Like, when they start rolling, they can steamroll you. Haven't seen that because what Tampa Bay is doing is they're, yeah, forcing shots from the outside, but what they're doing in the meantime is doing a really good job of boxing out, making sure their goaltender can see the shot. 
And if he can see the shot, it's a good chance he's stopping the shot. So they'll give up those shots from the outside. What they don't want to give up are rebounds and rebound opportunities. So you're seeing the defense in particular really do a good job of clearing the front, the crease area, so that if there is a rebound, it doesn't land in a danger area. And because of how tight both teams are playing through the middle areas of the ice, they're not generating off the rush. Sebastian Ajo has not been able to get loose for the most part. Right? And you want to avoid that. You, so you want to make Carolina settle for the shots that they've had. So, again, I think I saw the stat or, or read the stat from Craig Button just to kind of give you an indication of, of where this was at tonight. There is a a, a company, an analytic company, that tracks slot shots. The slot shots in this game were six I can't remember the exact number. It was either 6-5 in favor of Carolina or 6-5 in favor of Tampa Bay. Either way, it's not a big margin, right? So they're not allowing shots from those more dangerous areas of the ice. Now, natural stat trick will suggest that at even strength, the high danger chances were 8-8. In all situations, they were 10-9 in favor of Carolina. The scoring chances are going to show 28 to 16 for Carolina. But again, five on five, there's only 20. Carolina did have two power play opportunities. And then, of course, they had the six on five situation for the last two plus minutes. Right? So you're going to generate some chances off of that just organically. But for the most part, you didn't see too many dangerous opportunities. So then you're not taxing your goaltender. You're not asking your goaltender to stand on his head. Yeah, he's facing some shots. And I've had this conversation many times with Bobby the Chief Taylor through the years. That in itself puts a certain kind of taxing, as because as Chief says, every time you get so many shots coming at you, you're in the crouch as a goalie. But he's not having to jump around the ice, right? He's not having to make those acrobatic side-to-side saves. Even, you know, he had the one chance, the one save in game one, uh, I believe off the stick of Ajo, where he kind of did the splits and got his glove on it. That's really been it, right? Like you haven't had him had to slide over and cover a backdoor play or anything like that. And that's exactly, Tampa Bay is fine doing that. You know, and it's not its not just they're sitting back and defending. That's not the case here. They're just not letting Carolina generate high-scoring opportunities. What I would like to see out of Tampa Bay is to have them spend a little more time in the Carolina zone, put some pressure on the Hurricanes' defense, and make them work. Because obviously the, the odds will tell you and the more time you spend in the offensive zone is going to benefit you more than in the defensive zone. Right? That's why we track 
shot attempts because shot attempts basically suggest zone time and possession. So you want to make sure, I, I want to see Tampa Bay spend a little bit more time in Carolina's end to try and generate some opportunities that way. They haven't, they've had stretches, but they have created a lot of dangerous chances. I mean, Steven Stamkos had a great chance on a, a redirect. Mentioned the breakaway that Kucherov had. It was a two-on-one with Andre Palat and Braden Point. There was a two-on-one with Pat Maroon and Tyler Johnson. So they've created some opportunities. They haven't cashed in on a ton of them, but they're creating them. So again, it's not like they're sitting back and just trying to defend the whole time. But what they have done, and this is something you can trail back to the playoffs last year and understand an area in which they become so much better is they don't force plays. They don't force situations. They're they're not they don't want to give up odd man opportunities, right? They want to make sure they're managing the puck well and staying patient and sticking to the game plan. It led them to a title last year. And here they are in the postseason once again. Through and look, it's, Florida was a tough team to play against because of how they like to attack. So they couldn't necessarily play that playoff style game, if you will, against the Panthers. They did certainly in game six. They certainly did in game two. But there was a lot of a lot of wide open hockey. And you know, sometimes that happens in the first round. You know, as John Cooper mentioned, it's fresh teams. You're, there's more physical play. You know, you kind of get some more of that. So the first round can kind of have some of those situations. But what Tampa Bay does is, again, stick to their game plan. Don't let yourself get pulled out of what your game plan is and then force the other team to make a mistake. It is a game of mistakes, and the team that usually makes the fewest has a better chance to win the game. And that's exactly what the Tampa Bay Lightning want to do here in the postseason. You're not mistake-free. I mean, we saw Nikita Kucherov try to go back up high on the power play, something they do a lot that was read by the Hurricanes. It ended up leading to a two-on-one. It was probably Carolina's best scoring chance of the game. Marty Natchez able to cut across the top of the slot on a two-on-one top of the crease that Andre Vasilevsky was able to kind of get a stick on and disrupt just enough. But again, for the most part, didn't give up a ton of really what you would consider grade A chances. And even you know high danger chances, those don't always equate to grade A chances. They're kind of on a different uh, analytic scale. Um, so they haven't given up a ton of those. And it's the patience. To me, it's the patience. It's the patience and understanding that this team has learned over the past year and a half. You know, you got to go back to basically January and February of 2020 
when they started to figure this out and they really put it to work and executed it in the playoff bubbles. And then from there, you know, you, you just want to take advantage of your opportunities. And they took advantage of enough of them tonight. I mean, Alex Kalorn, you don't expect a shot from four to six feet inside the blue line to go in the net, but it did. And he even admitted he, he's just trying to put it on net. He's not necessarily looking to put it in the net. He just wants to put it in an area where it can go on net. And he's got Anthony Sorelli setting the screen, so he kind of had all that stuff going through his mind um, to score the opening goal. And then Victor Hedman with a great pass up to Anthony Sorelli, kind of fumbles the puck off of the skates of Brady Shea. Sorelli's able to pick it up and lift a backhand pass to Delkovich for a 2-0 lead that you just felt was not going to be relinquished. Didn't come close to being relinquished. I know they scored with 90 seconds left, but it wasn't close to being relinquished. Instead, they found a way to close it out. Don't be left out. Make sure you subscribe to the Lightning Insider on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else where podcasts are found. Now, here again is Eric. So what does that mean now? Well, it's interesting in that just as we saw in the opening round, Tampa Bay winning games one and game two on the road, coming home with a 2 nothing series lead, failed to protect a two-goal third-period lead against Florida, ended up losing that game in overtime. So they failed to take advantage of the chance to go up 3-0. Instead, come back, win game five, lose game, sorry, win game four, lose game five, come home, win game six. They have been a terrific road team, specifically under John Cooper. And the numbers are are pretty staggering because we always talk about home ice and what home ice means and the advantage of home ice and... um, everything else. But I'm telling you, just as I I said before, this team is not overly concerned about home ice, whether they have it or they don't, because they've proven over the years to be a better road team than they are a home team, which is the opposite of the regular season. Because in the regular season, they've been one of the better home teams under John Cooper and they've been good on the road I'm not saying they haven't been but for whatever reason they've just been a better road team under John Cooper to the point that they're 32 and 16 on the road now some of that does include the bubble last year we know neutral ice but as the designated visiting team in those games they were 10 and 1. So that adds to this total. But let's let's even take that out. They're still 22 and 15 on the road. So far this year, 5 and 1. Win games 1 and 2 against Florida. Sorry, they're 4 and 1. Win games 1 and 2 against Carolina. 
Obviously, they lost game five down in Sunrise. But four and one on the road. And now, now what Tampa Bay has to do is the style of game that they play in these road games, got to bring it back home. I don't know if that means you you got to pull the old John Tortorella trick and the night before a game put the team in a hotel. It's in the age of COVID and the pandemic that we've all lived through and what the players had to go through to travel this year. I don't know if that's even something that they would consider. But that's something John Tortorella did. Team bonding, put him into a routine, all that kind of stuff that he wanted to do back with that team in 04. But I don't know. I don't know if that's even something that, you know, John Cooper would consider. But what you do have to do is bring the mentality that you have on the road back home, especially in this case, because the games have been close. I think it's two very evenly matched teams. I think the big difference is in goal. But you got to know, Carolina's coming. That's the one thing. There's two things, and I'll make an argument for both sides. If if you're Tampa Bay, yeah, you have a 2 nothing lead, but the, the combined scores have been 4-2. Right? So it's been pretty tight in the way that the score has turned out. And the Lightning have done that without getting a ton of production out of the top guys. Yeah, Braden Point had the goal in game one, the power play goal. But your second goal was from Barkley Goodrow. And then here in game two, you get both your goals from the top line. One from Kalorn and one from Sorelli. Sorry, the second line. Power play has looked putrid today and specifically. You know, they've got to find a way to solve this Carolina penalty kill because you don't want special teams to come back and bite you. Fortunately, you know, Tampa Bay's penalty kill has been good. But if you're the lighting, you're sitting here saying... Okay, we get a 2 nothing lead, and we know that we, we have more to get from our top guys. And then if you're Carolina, and this is the one thing that I would, I don't like to say worry about, but, you know, Carolina has the ability to surge. Ask Nashville. They outscored Nashville 9-2 in the third period in the opening round series. Twice Nashville had a chance to really win that series because they had leads late in the third period in games five and game six. They were not able to hold on to them because of how much Carolina pushed. And if you're going to allow the Hurricanes to surge on you like that, you're just asking for danger, and that's exactly what happened in Nashville. You haven't seen that from Carolina in these first two games. They haven't had that sustained pressure for extended periods of time. Again, opening period, opening half of the first period in game one, they did have some of those moments, but not to the point where they were just coming and 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 coming. Because they can do that. They didn't do it. 
you think they probably have it in them. So Tampa Bay certainly has to be very weary of that heading into Game 3 because, as you know, there's a big difference between being up 3-0 in a series and being up 2-1 in a series. But you got to know Carolina is fully aware of that. 2-1, it's a series. 3 nothing. it's tough. It's tough. Only a, what, I think four teams in NHL history have come back from down 0-3. At 2-1, though, it's a different story. So you, you know Carolina's coming. The one thing that the Hurricanes don't have in their favor is they're already playing without Nino Niederreiter, who is probably not going to play at all in this series. And then it looks like they might have lost Vinny Trocek, who collided with Warren Fogle late in the second period in Game 2, tried to come back for the third, took one shift, and that was it. And, and Rod Brindamore certainly did not sound optimistic about it after the game. So Carolina is is kind of banged up with their forwards. They don't quite have the depth up front that Tampa Bay does. So... Um, they're taking hits up front. And then I have this question. If you're Carolina, you make a goalie change? Again, not that Alex Nadalkovich has played poorly, because I don't think he has. I think he's played pretty well. He played pretty well in the series against Nashville as well. It's probably a big reason why they won that series. But if you're Rod Brindamore and you're looking to change things up, maybe create a spark, do you do you go to a different goalie? I don't know. I don't know. I, I was totally on board with Nadelkovic starting game two. Just because he's won a Calder Cup championship. Played well this year. Had the better numbers of the three goalies that Carolina has. But I don't wonder... Just to kind of give a different look, a different feel, does he go to Morazic? Morazic has some history against Tampa Bay. Of course, he was the goalie for Grand Rapids when the Syracuse Crunch lost in the Calder Cup final to Grand Rapids in 2013. Morazic was the goalie in net for Detroit in the first round in 2015. Pitched a couple of shutouts in that series. I know, six years ago, different team, different players. Morazic's on a completely different team now, but he does have a history against Tampa Bay and against their players. He played well against Tampa Bay during the regular season. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it's something I think we have to kind of keep an eye on to see if Carolina wants to just kind of give a different look and shake things up a little bit. We'll see. We'll see. All right, a couple of quick injury updates. Uh, As you know, Eric Chernak was back in the lineup for game number two. David Savard was not. The good news is, is that Savard took part in an optional skate before the game on Tuesday. John Cooper was asked about it before the game. He said that they're kind of basically managing Savard's situation. But he's close. Possibly as close as playing in Game 3. We'll see. The team's flying back from Raleigh on Wednesday. So we won't get an idea until the morning skate on Thursday. 
what his situation is. And then I mentioned the two the two situations with Carolina. So uh, just something to keep an eye on here over the next couple of days as we get ready for Game 3 at Amelie Arena on Thursday. That will be an 8 o'clock start. If you're not at the game, you can watch it on USA Network. All right, before we get to your questions, and I've got a few of them, I want to make sure that you are aware of our special deal with Smack Apparel. If you go to smackapparel.com, check out their pretty cool Back to Boat. Brand new shirt they have out. Uh, of course, in reference to a boat parade. It's in lightning blue. It's a lightning theme shirt. If you use the code BOLTS21, B-O-L-T-S-21, you'll get 21% off your order. So again, smackapparel.com, Bolts 21, 21% off your order. We're also going to give away a couple of free t-shirts. Not going to give one away today, but be listening for the Game 3 recap as well as the Game 4 recap for details on how you can get entered into a contest to win one of those back-to-boat short shirts, or they also have a big cat shirt. So there's two of them to give away, and you'll have your choice of one of those two shirts. But make sure you're listening to the next podcast, which again will come out after Game 3, for details on how to be entered into that drawing for a free t-shirt. But don't forget the code too. Bolts21 at smackapparel.com. Give them a look. They got some great stuff. Also don't forget. Uh, I'm extending the free book opportunity. For anybody who signs up. For a yearly subscription. To my site. Lightninginsider.com. Between now and. We'll extend it to this series. Might extend it again. Uh, but if you sign up for a new yearly subscription, just go to lightninginsider.com and just sign up. Yearly subscription. You don't have to put in any code, anything. I'll find your name. I'll enter you into the drawing. And I'm going to give away a total of two books, signed copies of the book, Lightning Strikes. If you sign up for a new yearly subscription between now and right now, the end of this series, we'll see where things go from there. And of course, if you want to purchase one of those books, email me, eric at lightninginsider.com. That's E-R-I-K at lightninginsider.com on details and how you can get a uh, purchase, a signed autographed copy of that book. All right. A few questions I want to get to here. As always, if you want to ask a question, use the hashtag AskEE on Twitter. Uh, the first one here is uh, from Rays of Our Lives. Since the Lightning... Uh, since the Lightning's play style here seems to be reactionary based on the opponent, do you think the Canes will open it up on offense more in the next game? Uh, I, that's, that's interesting strategy. I don't think so. Uh, because if, you, if you've if you listened to Rod Brindamore uh, before the game on Tuesday and then after the game, he's not displeased with the way his team has played. I think if you open it up too much, then you subject yourself to... I mean, the Lightning have game breakers. They have elite skill. And I think they get more elite skill than Carolina does. So I don't... 
if I'm Rod Brindamore, I don't think I open it up. I think I um, am I'm okay with the way that they've played. They just haven't been able to solve Andre Vasilevsky, and you have to hope, if you're Carolina, that that starts to break through. Uh, from Lee, why is it so difficult to solve the Canes penalty kill? It seems to me the way they pressure the puck, quick and decisive puck movement would solve that, or am I missing something? Well, one of the big problems in Game 2, as they didn't even get a shot attempt off on either of their power play opportunities, was face-offs. They were not good at all in face-offs with the man advantage, finishing a robust 0 for 5. So, you start without the puck. You get the face-off in the Carolina zone, and you start without the puck. That kills 30 seconds right there. And then Carolina is so good at not allowing Tampa Bay to get in the zone, they're doing a very good job of not allowing that drop pass, right, to Braden Point to generate speed to gain the zone and then let them set up. Because they are very aggressive. You do have to be quick with the puck. You have to make good, quick puck decisions. But Carolina is so aggressive and so in your face that they're not going to let you make those quick decisions. Right? If you can break it, it's it's kind of like breaking a uh, you know full-court press in basketball. If you can get through it, good chance you get an open shot. Easier said than done, though, because there's really no, not too many teams are going to kill penalties the way that Carolina does. Um, but to me, it starts with faceoffs. Got to win a faceoff. Have to. Can't go 0 for 5 in the faceoff circle thinking that you're going to be able to get, you know, power. Because look, the one power play goal they scored in game one wasn't off a setup. It's kind of a, not a broken play, but it kind of had that feel to it. So, again, win a face-off and then, and then try and go from there. From Brandon, it's the number one thing as to why the Lightning are finding a way to win this series so far. Well, if you only want to point to one thing, I think you've got to go with 88. He's the difference maker. You know, when you're only going to allow two goals to Carolina and neither of them are 5-on-5, five five, they have a power play goal in Game 1, have a 6-on-5 extra attacker goal in Game 2, if you're not going to score five on five against Tampa Bay, if you're not going to solve Andre Vasilevsky five on five, you're not going to win the series. And again, we talked about how they're really clearing the front of the net to allow him to see those shots, making it not easy on him, but easier on him. Uh, from Michael, how clutch would Dame be for the Lightning and what line would he play for? I assume, Michael, that you're talking about Damian Lillard. And I'll be honest, I don't really follow basketball. Um, I did see my timeline start to get filled up a little bit as I was writing on Tuesday night about how good he was performing. But how clutch would he be for the Lightning? He'd be Marty St. Louis, right? Arguably the most clutch player in Lightning playoff history. So that makes him a top-line player, right? Imagine him uh, shooting and Nikita Kucherov dishing it up. I can see that. Uh, from Mark, what is wrong with Bally Sports? Promo post-game show and don't deliver. 
tonight they ran Rays post game on the Lightning feed and Rays feed. Last game two hours late. It's twelve oh five a.m. Now it's on. Um, I'm not totally aware of that mark. I didn't watch any of their post game stuff. I guess they did have some technical issues. Um, but I also know on Tuesday the Rays had a extra inning game, so that kind of pushed stuff back as well. Um, they've had their fair share of issues, which to me doesn't make a ton of sense because all they really did was rebrand, rebrand themselves, right? They went from Fox Sports to Bally Sports. It's the same production crew. Everything else should be the same. But for whatever reason, they've had some issues uh, in getting games. Uh, from Stephanie, if Savard is healthy... Would you play him on Thursday or stick with the same six defensemen that have gotten it done the first two games? I know John Cooper likes to keep the same lineup as long as they are winning. Well, funny thing about that is he doesn't. They won game one against Florida. Change the lineup for game two. Won game two against Florida. Change the lineup for game three. He really only kept the same lineup together in games four and five. Right, he kept going back and forth between seven defensemen and six defensemen. And of course, the lineup again changed for game six because Barkley Goodrow came back. But here's the other part about that. Luke Shen played one shift in the third period. Now, we did not have a chance to ask John Cooper and confirm this. My guess is that was a coach's decision based on the push we knew was coming from Carolina. And we know that Luke Shen's strength is not his skating ability. So that probably is part of the thinking there. So they basically rotated five defensemen. Again, I didn't see him get hurt. I didn't see him leave the game. I got an indication that he left the game. My thought and my guess is that it's a coach's decision there. So if that's the case, and David Savard is healthy enough, and I think based on the hint, the insight that John Cooper gave, when asked about Savard's situation on Tuesday, my guess is he goes back in. They, now, they, they did say they've been managing it. It's been a managed system or a managed situation. But my guess is that Savard is back in the lineup for Game 3. Because, as we mentioned, there's a big difference here between up 2-1 and up 3-0. Right? That's, what, that's the opportunity that Lightning have in front of them. I think they want to take advantage of that right now if they can. So if that means Savard plays, Savard probably plays. All right, last one here from Lightning FCB. Do you think that the style of hockey the Lightning have played in these playoffs was willingly changed by the team? Maybe a style with less risk, more suited to playoff hockey. It's like they're always in shutdown mode since Game 6 of the Florida series seems to work right now. <sighs> If you're only basing it off of what we've seen this postseason, yeah. You don't want to play run and gun. You don't want to be loose. So in that situation, they, they've known to a style they have to get back to. But if you want to reverse it and go all the way back to last postseason, that's when this understanding of more defensive-minded, less risk in their game came into effect. Uh, a Again, it's it's completely based off of what happened in 2019. And I'll take this quote to the grave with me. When John Cooper 
talked about how they were too worried about scoring the fourth goal in an opening game against Columbus instead of preventing the first one. That's when the mentality shift changed. So that's the understanding of how to play this style and why this style works. Be patient. Wait for your opportunities. Don't force your opportunities. And if you have, you know, enough skill like this team does, well, then you know it can work. So I wouldn't say it's a conscious decision this year. I think it's a conscious understanding of what they had to get back to, especially against this opponent. You know, you want to play that strong defensive style because there's not a lot of room, and they know how fast Carolina can play. You don't want to get into that, you know, track meet, so to speak. So, um, really, game game two against Florida was that way too, right? Like it was a two-one game. They end up winning it three to one on an empty netter. Games three and four, a little bit more open. Game five, they didn't really test Spencer Knight very much, and Florida took advantage of their chances. Um, so again, conscious decision, I think, to understand how they're supposed to play, which I go back to last year and even 2019 in the postseason where that understanding came from. All right, that's going to wrap it up. Uh, thanks, as always, for listening. I am Eric Erlinson from LightningInsider.com. Don't forget about that SmackApparel.com code, BOLTS21, for 21% off of any order. And the book offer, everything else, LightningInsider.com. Go sign up today. Yearly subscription enters you into a drawing for a free book. I'll be back for another recap after Game 3. Enjoy Game Number 3, folks. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.